0: Hello and welcome to the Free Movement Podcast. I'm CJ McKinney. Free Movement is a website publishing updates, commentary, training and advice on UK immigration and asylum law. Visit us at www.freemovement.org.uk, all the usual social media platforms and iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes of this podcast. For this edition, I'm in Edinburgh with our resident nationality law guru, John Vassiliou from McGill & Co. Nationality law has to do with British citizenship, how to get it and indeed how to lose it, as we've seen in the high-profile case of Shamima Begum. The so-called ISIS bride over in Syria. Today we wanted to talk about a particular issue within nationality law: that of good character. One of the requirements for getting British citizenship in the first place is that the person applying is of good character, and every year several thousand people are rejected on character grounds. The official policy on this was fairly recently updated, so we're going to take a look at the latest developments in good character. So John, in a nutshell, what kind of things get people rejected for not being of good character? Well,
1: the Home Office's policy guidance on this just keeps getting longer and longer, to be honest. I think it's now sitting at just over 50 pages, so there's a lot of reasons to refuse someone contained within those 50 pages. Um, Aside from the very obvious reasons, such as terrorism, war crimes and genocide, uh, the most common things that would cause someone's application to be rejected on character grounds would be criminal offences falling foul of various sentencing thresholds that they have in their guidance, Uh, bankruptcy, deception, dishonesty, notoriety, um, or simply breaches of the immigration laws or immigration offences
0: committed in the last 10 years. So quite a range of of reasons for rejection. And and these aren't in any Act of Parliament, as I understand it. It's all in this Home Office uh, policy document. That's right. The British Nationality
1: Act 1981, which is our citizenship law, um, contains numerous references to a requirement that an applicant in a huge variety of citizenship routes should be of good character. What the Act doesn't do, however, is provide a definition of what good character is. Mm. That falls to the Home Secretary to define and to interpret. So whilst maybe we don't agree with the Home Office's current policy in a lot of aspects, unless a uh, statutory definition were amended in by Parliament, then the application of this policy will remain in the Home Office's domain. Um, and this position has been upheld by a large number of courts to date.
0: That The Home, Home Secretary has a great deal of flexibility to put what he likes into this policy. That's right, the Home Office and the Home Secretary have a very wide discretion in relation to good character. And some of the things you mention that the Home Office currently see as evidence of not being of good character are more contentious than others, you know it's not that shocking that genocide or criminal convictions or lying to the government would get you turned down. What surprised me is that this whole list from serious to not so serious applies to children as well as adults.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's right
0: and it's surprising to a lot of people
1: that the good character test applies to everyone over the age of 10. Um, that hasn't always been the case. The good character test was first extended to children over the age of 10 back in 2006. And for once, actually, we can't place all of the blame on this on the Home Office, uh, because it was an Act of Parliament that amended the British Nationality Act to extend this. And... Um, I think at this point I should give a shout out to the Project for Registration of Children as British Citizens or PRCBC as I think their acronym is. They've been doing a lot of great work raising the profile of the issue of the good character test for children and there's a lot of really good resources on their website and legal opinions setting out all the law on this. So if anyone's interested in a bit more info on the good character requirement for
0: children, I definitely recommend checking them out. PRC, BC, absolutely, they're experts in all things uh, child citizenship. The latest version of this published policy, though, was expected to address some of the concerns that PRC, BC and other campaigners had about children being refused citizenship because of bad character. Did it help? In short,
1: No. It did not. The campaigns by PRCBC and various other organisations had been gathering quite a bit of momentum. There was quite a bit of interest uh, across many quarters in how the Home Office might tackle this issue that's been brewing and maybe show some leniency towards children. Uh, Instead, what the Home Office did was uh, simply regurgitate a lot of standard paragraphs reciting the law on the best interest of the child and their statutory duties uh, in respect of safeguarding the welfare of children and just ram that into the front of their guidance as though that would somehow cure the fact that it's still very, very harsh to apply adult character tests to children, many of whom usually come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, but as I said before, I don't know if blame can be entirely attributed to the Home Office. Parliament have stated that this test should be applied to people over the age of 10, so it remains for the Home Office to interpret that how they will. If Parliament wants to change that, they can amend the
0: legislation accordingly. To blame your MPs as well as uh, Sajid Javid on this one. Yes. Um, Okay, moving from the issue of children in particular to the good character test in general, as as applied to everyone, one indication of bad character, if you like, is overstaying on your visa. And we recently had a free movement article by Karma Hickman saying that the latest guidance, um, as recently updated, made it so that, quote, any overstaying in the last 10 years will see an application for British citizenship refused with some minor exceptions, end quote. Is that about the size of it? Because it sounds quite brutal. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, It's very brutal. And I think, in my practice anyway, this has overtaken criminality as the most common reason for refusal that I'm seeing people come to me and ask for advice on. Um, It used to be that People come and say, oh, I got refused because I had a series of road traffic offences or something like that. But now, time and time again, is people who maybe had an extended period of overstaying while they were, say, a student and maybe made the wrong visa application a couple of times and finally got granted. Um, overstaying is a real recent bugbear of the Home Office. and In years gone by, they used to show a lot more leniency towards it than they do now. And this latest
0: policy hardens things further still?
1: Yeah, basically if anyone has overstayed by a considerable period in the past 10 years, then their application
0: is very likely to be refused. And a different issue then, entering the UK illegally. I know this is something you're interested in and have written an article for us about recently. Illegal entry can affect refugees in particular because many asylum seekers have to sneak into the UK to be able to apply for asylum in the first place. You can't apply from abroad, usually. But they're then penalised for this illegal entry when they come to apply for citizenship down the line because it's a bad character. You mentioned that the latest policy takes some steps towards changing that so that maybe there'll be less, uh, it'll be less of a big deal. Yeah, well, I suppose in, in a similar vein to the
1: stuff about the children, The the law on non-penalisation of refugees has existed for a very long time, a lot longer in fact. Um, It's something called Article 31 of the Refugee Convention which exists to protect refugees from being penalised on account of their illegal entry into a country to claim asylum and that's existed since the Refugee Convention um, was signed. It's nothing new but it is new that the Home Office have I suppose recognised this and stated it in their guidance for the first time, maybe drawing it to the attention of nationality case workers who don't have much
0: experience dealing with refugee law. And what does Article 31 say about not penalising refugees for illegal entry? Basically, Article 31
1: says that contracting states shall not impose penalties on refugees on account of their illegal entry or presence in a country if they've come directly from a territory where they were at risk and providing that they present themselves without delay to the authorities and show good cause for their illegal entry so there's it's quite mouthful there's quite a lot in that and um, if you want to see the specific text of it you can check out article 31 but it basically says that If someone shows good cause for being in a country unlawfully, for example, claiming asylum
0: and being recognised as a refugee, then they should be penalised. But there's some caveats, it sounds like, that they have to have um, immediately uh, presented themselves to the government to claim asylum, for example. Is that something that. There there are
1: some caveats, but it's more nuanced than that. There's not a requirement for them to immediately present themselves to the government. Article 31 uses the language of without delay. Now that's open to interpretation and there's uh, been various cases over the years which look at that in a lot more detail than the Home Office guidance on good character does and there could be many reasons why someone might not immediately rush to a police station to claim asylum.
0: How does the Home Office interpret it then? The Home Office
1: interprets it as Anyone who has claimed asylum within four weeks of illegal entry to the UK will probably be exempted from penalisation, but anyone who has taken more than four weeks to claim asylum
0: will normally be refused on character grounds. So they'll be seen as bad character, even, say, five years down the line when they come to apply for citizenship, that um, delaying claim of asylum will count against them? That's right. So the...
1: Provisions in the good character guidance for uh, immigration offences extend back by 10 years. So if a refugee who was maybe came to the UK unlawfully and, say, claimed asylum six weeks after arrival, was granted, got a uh, five-year leave-to-remain document, then ILR, and then went on to apply for citizenship a year later, someone in that situation would probably be refused on character grounds because they didn't claim asylum within four weeks that's, that's tough and any flexibility in that? There is, uh, th- there is some flexibility built into that language the, the guidance doesn't say they will all be refused if they've taken longer than four weeks to claim but they normally will be so the default position is if you've been in the country for more than four weeks illegally and haven't yet claimed asylum then you will probably be refused when it comes to the good character test Um, of course there's discretion there and I guess we'll see over the coming months and years how that's applied but I don't believe it'll be applied
0: very flexibly (laughs) Knowing the Home Office all too well as you do What about this issue of having passed through a safe country on the route to claiming asylum? Um, Again that will count against you in this good character test? Home Office guidance says that
1: someone who had an opportunity to claim asylum in a country en route to the UK will be penalised that's almost the end of the matter <laughs> as far as the guidance is concerned but that doesn't really grapple with uh, a lot of the much more nuanced case law that exists on this that you know recognises to an extent some of the difficulties that people have transiting through various countries there's many reasons why someone might not claim asylum immediately at the first safe place that they enter and there's very little to no recognition of that within the Home Office guidance.
0: But would this uh, stain on your record, if you like,
1: be wiped after 10 years as well? It would be wiped after 10 years, but I suppose for many refugees that would involve waiting a clear five years after getting ILR before being able to apply for citizenship.
0: How could the guidance be better in this respect? You've criticised it quite a lot, but what could it do?
1: I think it, I suppose if adopting guidance on this I think the Home Office could either build in a lot more flexibility to their short explanations of everything so that caseworkers are empowered to look at things based on the facts of each individual case rather than adopting a kind of one-size-fits-all policy. Other organisations for example up and up here the Procurator Fiscal Service who prosecute people for criminal offences uh, have a very, very detailed guidance document spanning, I think it's over 160 pages, versus the Home Office's uh, barely one page of guidance on this. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of complexity to these
0: considerations, there's many factors that should be considered. and they're um, lacking just now. And are they are taken into account by prosecutors in deciding whether to prosecute someone for illegal entry, but not. Yes, this
1: that's right, because Article 31, I suppose more importantly than this, also presents a statutory defence to prosecution for a number of offences relating to illegal entry. One of the other things I would add that I think could be improved in the guidance is maybe some recognition of Article 34 of the Refugee Convention, which urges contracting states to facilitate the assimilation and naturalisation of refugees and to make every effort to expedite nationality proceedings. To my mind, the guidance as it currently is actually does the total opposite and forces a lot of refugees anyway to wait an extra five years before applying for naturalisation rather than expediting it. Not exactly in the spirit of Article 34, uh, which isn't mentioned at all,
0: presumably in the guidance. Yeah, there's no reference to it whatsoever at least not that I've seen yeah. um, What else is new in the latest version? We, we've touched on maybe the key issues that have shifted is there anything else that's changed um, in the latest uh, version? Yeah, there's been an addition of a couple of sections on extremism
1: and unacceptable behaviour, I, I don't think these are particularly controversial um, Extremism Extremism is incorporates things like uh, inciting justifying or glorifying terrorist violence things like that that are inherently aren't that controversial in a good character assessment and unacceptable behavior covers things like um, writing producing or distributing hateful material and things like that again not too controversial The other additions, I suppose, have been some stuff on outstanding NHS charges and outstanding litigation debts to
0: the Home Office. So this is where, and this is a reason for being refused a visa as well, I think, uh, that if you have used the NHS, you're not entitled to free care and you owe them money, you'll be turned out for citizenship. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's been something that was incorporated into the
1: immigration rules quite some time ago now. It's... Again, fairly uncontroversial now that if an applicant for a visa has outstanding debt to the NHS, I think it's £500 or more, then that would represent a, what's called a general ground for refusal of that visa. Um, likewise, if there's an outstanding litigation debt from litigation that they've conducted against the Home Office, they are expected to pay that before they can be granted a visa. These have now finally filtered down into the citizenship guidance, and it's really just the same criteria that are being applied to visa
0: applicants that are now being applied to citizenship applicants as well. Seems uh, mildly petty, perhaps, but but there you go. Um, those are the changes to the good character policy. I, I want to go back to something you mentioned at the start, uh, not necessarily a, a new thing, but a, an interesting one. Um you can be refused on the good character basis for notoriety. What, what did you mean by notoriety? <laughs> yeah, um, this is one of my, I suppose,
1: favourites is the wrong word, but uh, it's one of the facets of the good character guidance. It's actually existed for a very long time. The Home Office say that if a person's activities have been notorious and cast serious doubt on their standing in the local community, then they can be refused on good character grounds. So I suppose that means if someone has engaged in particularly disreputable behaviour that's come to the Home Office's attention, somehow that could present a reason for refusal. But It, it, it sounds like a
0: pretty uh, wide, definite, like not taking out the bins, like what kind of... <laughs> th- anything that annoys people in your community, potentially? Yeah, I,
1: I really don't know what they have in mind particularly for this, and how they would go about applying it in a refusal. I've never seen a real-life refusal on notoriety grounds, but the power is there, so one day maybe we'll see something.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show, I suppose, the range of of behaviours from uh, extremism and war crimes right down to potentially uh, quite petty things, but fingers crossed it it doesn't arise in practice. Um, John Vasily McGillencoe, thank you very much for that uh, insight into Good Character I, As I mentioned, we are on www.freemovement.org.uk where we have various uh, free-to-access articles about good character, naturalisation. Uh, John has one about uh, legal entry, that, as we've just been discussing, published recently. Um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher for future episodes of this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And if you are applying for citizenship after listening to this, very best of luck.